What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We recorded this episode before news broke of Kyrie Irving opting in, but we left that section in because I think it's a good representation, good analysis of where Kyrie Irving's value is, and he and the Nets could still negotiate a contract extension. Here's the episode. Welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I'm Dan Feldman. Very glad to be joined today by Keith Smith of SpotTrack. Uh, John Hollinger at The Athletic coined a term called the bird rights trap. And the bird rights trap means that a team has a player uh, that it could re-sign and exceed the cap to keep that player. However, if that player left as a free agent, then the team would not have cap space. That team would still be over the cap. And so the team runs into a trap of, do you want to pay this player, potentially overpay this player, or lose him for nothing? And I think the way the salary cap landscape is set up around the league this year, the bird rights trap is particularly relevant. Nobody I'd rather talk to about this uh, today than Keith Smith, who knows the league, knows the salary cap uh, rule. So we're going to turn the bird rights trap into a game. I have some scenarios for Keith, and we're going to give our answers on would you pay this player or do not pay this player. And we're going to jump right in with the most high-profile potential free agent, creating all the drama, all the buzz, Kyrie Irving with the Nets. He could get a $248 million contract over five years. That's the latest projection with, with the salary cap at $122 million for next season. Keith, if you were the Brooklyn Nets, would you pay Kyrie Irving? This is your only choice. We can talk about some some middle grounds as we talk about it, but you got, you got no option C here. Your option A is to pay Kyrie Irving $248 million over five years, fully guaranteed, or lose him. What are you choosing? 250 million is a heck of a trap, huh? <laughs> just, uh, you know, that's that's uh, something there. I I think I, like you said there there's other options. I, I just because of all of the circus and drama that comes along with Kyrie Irving, I would not do that more not so much the the money as crazy as that sounds. It's more the length of time that would lock me into being in a relationship with that player. So I, I would pass on that and then take option B, C, D, whatever it is to rebuild my franchise from there. So I, I think I would do it. Um, it's scary. It's terrifying. Kyrie Irving is all kinds of unreliable, but he's so talented. I don't see yeah. another option um, in terms of if you are faced with this choice, maybe there is some middle ground, but if you just, if he's leaving, if he says, I'm, if you don't pay me this full max, I'm opting out and I'm signing with the Lakers for the mid-level exception or doing whatever, but you'll, you're not getting anything in return. What's your plan there? Are, 
you know, do you think you have a chance of keeping Kevin Durant happy and, and not demanding a trade? How, how are you building? Yeah, I think you have to pivot at that point into we might need to move KD and try to, you know, get that you know, mother load package of young players and picks and whatever it is and kind of let Sean Marks do what he did really well the first time around, which is build a team from almost nothing. Um, at least maybe this time around, you'd, you'd get some assets back to, to start over with, unlike, you know, when they were recovering from a follow from that Celtics trade. But it is really hard because this one has so many you know, ramifications beyond just the player. So often when I think bird rights trap, I think the player and the team, and that's kind of it. This one turns into the player, the team, another player, you know, could be all these other teams in that, but it it is really tough because I'm with you. He is still a 50, 40, 90 guy, you know, when he's healthy or at least in that range and he can score, he can play make, he's super duper talented. It's just really worrisome of, you know, is he really going to be there and bought in that part? I don't know that you can uh, fully, answer especially three four five years from now so you'd really just give up on this whole era to me if you have a player like kevin durant i don't want to blow this opportunity even if it means taking a chance of falling flat on my face or just to give up on it and trade him and rebuild like yeah sure you'll get a nice head start in rebuilding but what are you trying to build toward it's having a player like kevin durant right yeah without a doubt i i do pay kate I agree with you there. I think you do have to kind of try to maximize uh, the KD, you know, part of this because you did just sign him to a four-year extension. That's, you know, going to have uh, him on the books there. But it's just, I don't know, maybe this is my Celtics bias coming in and having the burn <laughs> by Kyrie myself. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that, that part's factored in a little bit. But, yeah, it is a really tough uh, decision. It's almost one where – if you're the Nets, you're, perversely, maybe your hope is he just does the opt out and takes the taxpayer and becomes the first guy to just throw away thirty million, um, because then I kind of hey, there's nothing we could do. He didn't, he didn't want it. Um, you know, maybe that takes it out of your decision making there. But yeah, it's it's a weird one for sure. So where where is your break even point? Like I said, I I would pay the this max. Where's your cutoff? Like what's what's the most you're willing to offer him before you're just letting him walk? I'd offer him max money, but I'd want to do it on like a two plus one kind of setup just so that way I'm a little more protected uh, sooner. I, I certainly don't want to give him the full five years, um, just not knowing that could get tough. I, I might be able to settle middle ground and link him up to to expiring the same time Kevin Durant is, and hopefully that's enough to, to keep them together uh, there with, with that, but that, that'd be probably where I would lock into. Would you be at all worried that I mean, still fairly young, that what if he just I know this is going to sound a little far fetched, but what if he just gets everything together and becomes a reliable contributor and you sign him to the short contract in a couple of years, in a few years, you could wish you had him locked up long term. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. You, you might end up in that point, especially, uh, you know, just knowing he kind of does bounce around a little bit. So that that is that is a risk. But it just. His recent history in the last few years, really his time in Brooklyn, uh, suggests to me that that's a risk I'm willing to take. (laughs) I would take it. So I guess it comes down to a certain degree his trade value, both if he tries to do this opt-in and trade, 
um, which, which would allow him to go to a team that, that would otherwise be facing the hard cap. If it's a sign and trade, that would trigger the hard cap. An opt-in and trade would not. So in a lot of scenarios, an opt-in and trade makes most sense. But even a sign and trade, depending on the team, that could give the Nets some return. I don't know who's enamored with getting Kyrie Irving. And one of the things you have to factor in on this contract is I'm saying I'd do the max. I'd do the five-year max if I had to. Of course I wouldn't want to. I would sure. try and get some incentives in there. I'd try to get it for less. It's a real scary proposition. But I'm also thinking maybe there's still some trade value there. Um how do you see his trade value now? And even if, if it, whether it's a five-year max, which at this point we can say fairly certainly it won't be with the Nets, uh, or the shorter deal you're talking about, which sounds closer in line with the Nets are offering, how do you assess his trade value? Yeah, I think it's still really good because, it, like we, we've both said, this guy's still one of the, you know, I don't know what number it is, but he's a top 25-ish player in the league when when he's right and, and healthy. Um, he's, you know, a dynamic scoring option. He can shoot. He, you know, can do a lot of things. Well, when he cares to be, he's actually not uh, this, you know, really truly awful defender that I think mm-hmm. people think. It's just how often he actually cares to to be that um, is and, the question and, there. But. And in his defense, I guess, uh, in the last year, I thought he defended more consistently when on the court. Now, maybe some of that is because you have a lot of energy because yep. <laughs> you're, you're barely playing. Uh, but when he played, this was, this was the most consistently sustained good defensive effort I've seen from him. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I thought he, he was uh, very good. And there was Maybe there's a little bit of residual hangover at the very end of the Boston series. But I think at that point, that was, hey, I need to put everything in offense because that's the only way we're going to win. Uh, these games and I, and I think he just kind of let go of the rope defensively there but yeah I it's I, so I think trade values got to remain really high whether that's right now um, you know a lot of these teams that are being mentioned I, I know you know this very well but sign in trades aren't even possible with those teams because they're so far they can't even see the tax apron anymore they're so far past it some of those teams so that that lends more to the opt-in and then gets traded and I do think you know, teams would look at it and say, all right, potential 50, 40, 90 guy, 25.7 assists type player. Yeah, why Why not? You know, especially if you have the right veterans where you think they can kind of keep him engaged and keep him in line, you, you would go. And I think down the line, he's young enough that as long as he is showing up and playing, that trade value holds for probably the duration of his whole next deal, no matter if it is even a four or five year, year deal, just because he is, you know, th- this isn't uh, – uh, James Harden, who's approaching his mid thirties, he, he's still you know uh, a younger guy. So I, I do think that value would hold. There's obviously that big caveat you put on there of if he shows up and play. What yeah. do you think this trade value is now when he hasn't been showing up and playing? Um, you know, you're you're willing to to not pay him and just lose him and go in a different era. Obviously, if you feel that way, the preferred middle ground is to find that opt in and trade, to find that sign and trade. And get some assets and build around Kevin Durant and have enough. You know, you have Ben Simmons theoretically, have Seth Curry, have some other depth pieces, have a couple first round picks from the 76ers, plus whatever you could get for Kyrie Irving. Do you see anything out there that that's going to be a reasonable return for the Nets if this goes where it's trending of him leaving via sign and trade or opt in and trade? Yeah, sign and trade, I struggle because I just I don't see where that 
destination would be there there's not a team that necessarily jumps out to me <laughs> sorry the dogs chiming in too um in the background there i don't know um, if you can hear it. my upstairs neighbors are i don't know what they're doing some <laughs> some type of drilling or something it's a it's a loud day yeah they um but yeah with Kyrie, i think i just think the sign and trade i just don't see it i don't know where that would go you know how, how they would uh may, make that workable because i don't you know none of the cap space teams make sense the the teams that are far enough below the tax apron i don't see one of those teams really jumping out necessarily the opt-in and trade yeah that makes a lot of sense I, i'm gonna take the lakers out of the mix because that basically has to involve westbrook and then you're talking a multi-team trade because i don't think the nets want any part of him and that just gets very messy but if it was like the clippers I think you might be able to get two or three guys who would immediately slide in to your rotation if you're Brooklyn um, that would play alongside Durant and Curry and Simmons, and you'd still be a very, very good team. Maybe you don't have the super high-end ceiling that you'd have with Kyrie, but I think you could replenish a lot of your depth that way. And then you know, you get Joe Harris back, maybe Patty Mills, and sign a big or two, and you're you're pretty well on your way. Do you think that there's any chance – see, to me, the Lakers make a lot of sense for one reason. They'd be the team most desperate. They are – you know, they have problems, and you could take a chance on Kyrie Irving when you have problems. The Clippers are in a better situation. They're sure. going to be in good shape even without Kyrie Irving. He would raise their ceiling for sure, like a, a scorer like him, a point guard like him that could be awesome. But he could also screw up their chemistry. The Lakers, what chemistry do they mm-hmm. have to protect? Do you think – there's a way the Lakers could do. They've got two first round picks they could trade, 27 and 29, unprotected. Who knows where the Lakers will be by then? I do think those are high upside picks. Uh, do you think there's a way they could essentially use one of those picks to unload Russell Westbrook and one of those picks to satisfy the Nets to to get rid of Kyrie Irving? Oh boy, um, I, I think guess, it's a stretch, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I I just it's the Westbrook part of it. That, yeah. That I don't, I just don't see where that landing spot is for him without the Lakers having to take back a large chunk of money that then makes doing a Kyrie deal really difficult. So that's, that's the, the, the part of it. Cause I'm with you. I agree. I think the Lakers, if, if this was just a, you know, there were no salary matching rules and all that other stuff. I think the Lakers would be all in on trying to go get Kyrie and and make make this work. I think it just gets difficult around the or where do we send Russ? Like like what? How do we make that part part of this workable? And that that's where I I, I kind of believe if they could. They probably would have already done it. And, and I know, you know, people were thrown out. Well, we'll send them back to Oklahoma City. Well, one, Oklahoma City doesn't they, after taking on Jamichael Green, but also even before that, they weren't really sitting on that mountain of cap space anymore like that. And they're certainly not going to be when the league year changes over. So that's a whole other uh you know challenge there. Um with that. I don't I'm very certain I, the Pistons don't want any part of it. Well, so the, yeah, well, it just gets tricky. I mean Orlando I think would be the the top choice of a salary dumping ground. Uh, and then the piss is even second. And that's not even about getting Westbrook. It's just yeah. maybe those teams would be tempted by a future Lakers pick just to get Westbrook and wave them. Yeah, maybe. I it's, I think it's a stretch. Yeah, that that's exactly in a stretch as far as happening, not a stretch as far as the stretch provision, right? Because <laughs> ah, you always got to clarify that with the Pistons. Well, well the Pistons can stretch it. I don't know. They love the stretch. <laughs> sure, yeah, they do love that stretch provision. That's for sure. Um, if for no other reason, so people keep asking you when people come off the books, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think the... 
the challenge for me is sometimes I have a little bit of trouble and maybe I need to re-reconcile this in my own head on Lakers picks. I still tend to think picks in 27, 29, that far out, those kind of picks. I think they're the Lakers. This is still the, you know, arguably the preeminent franchise in the NBA. Even when things tend to go really bad, they only go really bad for a couple of years and then they fix it. And I tend to think that I worry what could it be in, in those years? Are those picks really going to be that valuable? Now we just saw with the Pelicans. Yeah, they, they are pretty valuable right now. So, so maybe I need to re-reconcile that. Maybe I'm putting too much um, on the Lakers uh, as being a, you know, what they used to be uh, versus what they are now. But that, that is a little hard because you're talking 27, 29, I assume, post-LeBron years. I mean, who knows at this point <laughs> what he'll be doing, but I assume that's post-LeBron years. That might even be post-AD uh, time, and you know they, they may have fully reset everything there at that point. So that, that it gets a little tricky. I mean, maybe Orlando you might get involved, and then they can kind of pull with Westbrook what the Rockets have done with John Wall is, hey, a bio tier whenever you want it. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to sit until the contract runs out. Yeah. Uh, the Lakers did have – uh, three straight number two picks from 2005 True. to 17 and yeah. 2019. They had the number four pick. There's definitely an upside there. This is yeah. a, yeah. A, but you're right. They, they do tend to figure things out and you just have to hope it's the right window. It's a high upside pick. I'm not saying this is the very most valuable pick. Yeah, uh, no, completely agree. Another player that I want to get to James Harden. Okay. Here's the bird rights trap for you. Thankfully for the 76ers. It doesn't sound like it's going to be this rough on them, but James Harden's max if he opts in and signs a max extension, it would be over $270 million over five years, including <laughs> that opt-in salary. Are you paying him that or are you letting him walk if it came down to it? Oh, if it came down to just those two options, <sighs> boy, I, I I have to try to think sunk cost here because I don't want to factor in like we traded Simmons and draft picks and Curry and you know, stuff to get him. I it, it's it's the sixty million dollars when he's thirty seven that absolutely terrifies me. You know, he he could roll into the facility day one at camp as round as I am, and that's that's pretty worrisome. So I I if it was just one of those two choices, I I think I'd have to let him walk. Well, we're we're two for two on disagreeing. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? You have Joel Embiid in his prime. Uh, you're you're capped out. Uh, there's. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you just going to say, well, I guess we're not going to maximize Joel Embiid's prime? I hear you on the, the yeah. fear. I didn't try to make these easy on you. What, so what, <laughs> what's your what's your plan if you're not keeping Harden in that scenario? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would if it was just let him straight walk and you're then you're you're going to have to pivot pretty quickly um into all right, what else are we going to do now this is you know knowing what we know now of the D'Anthony Melton trade is done cuz otherwise they could have gotten it down to basically it was Embiid and Harris and then minimal salaries left. And they, they might've been able to pivot very, very quickly. It's, it's not a strong free agent class, obviously, but I, I do kind of wonder, I guess, um, with the, the put, putting it the way you put it, I'm going to change my answer and say okay. I would sign them and I'll just deal with the $60 million in, in year five or whatever it would be at that point. Um, I, I probably would just re-sign them if that, that's where it is. But I'm glad you led with it doesn't sound like we're even headed down that path, which is very fortunate, I think, for the 76ers. 
Right. The latest reporting, I think Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report had this first and best, uh, was it sounds like Harden will opt in and then sign a short-term extension. Sounded like maybe add a couple of years. And part of me is wondering why James Harden is doing that, why he's letting the 76ers off the hook um, after the way they talked about him. And I hear you on sunk costs, but I do think that factors in a way that it should in that you already gave up these draft picks. It just makes it harder mm-hmm. to pivot into something else. No, that's true. That, right. The idea that Oh, whatever you gave up, you're you have to pay him now. No, you're correct, right? Sunk cost is in the past, but what what are you going to do now? Like all these assets are gone, are out the window. Uh, you just, you know you have to hope for better. And one thing I think it's overblown with Harden when people talk about how bad his next contract is going to be, or especially when there's a thought he would get this full max could be. Uh, he's a good shooter. And that differentiates him from Russell Westbrook, from John Wall, some of these very worst contracts we're seeing in the league right now. Um, I'm not saying Harden's going to age age great. You mentioned the conditioning concerns; those are real, those are fair. Uh, anybody that old, even you know LeBron is a miracle. You can't assume anybody that old yeah. is going to age well. Yeah. But Harden has that shooting ability. I think that is the skill. That ages the best. I think his shooting, and I think there is a world where by the end of his career in the last few years, he really transitions into being more of that old school point guard type, uh-huh. where it's just I'm initiating the offense because he's great at that. I mean, he he is. I think weird because he's kind of become Mr. Triple Double in the league um, over the last few years as Russ has dropped off a bit. I, I think he's still an underrated passer. Um, I think people forget that. I think two other things you have to factor in, which are um, kind of related to, to the sunk costs. It's easier to say sunk costs if you're kicking off a full, you know, we're tearing it down and rebuilding. And that's obviously not the case here. So you do have to factor that in. I am in agreement with you on that. The other thing is there is a world where you don't get another healthy season out of Joel Embiid in the next couple of years. You know, maybe, maybe he, he goes through, he does have another year where he misses, you know, 40, 50 games. And at least if you have James Harden, you're still going to stay above water and you're going to be a good competitive team because I do think he can still lead that. So yeah, you've, you've, you, you've won me over. I'm convinced I, I'd, I'd do it if those were my two options. But again, Thankfully, it doesn't sound like they're going that way. But I'm also with you. I don't understand exactly why after all the gushing about him, he's like, yeah, hey, let me let me help you out. But maybe he has turned a corner where he's like, I really want to try to win a title here. So let's do what we got to do to make this happen. Do you think some of this is about him wanting flexibility? You know, I, I don't know how good he's going to be in three years or what he could command. But do you think that may, you know, look at, there was reporting and everybody ignored it. Uh, I think this was from Woj. When he went to the Nets, Woj was like, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to stay with Brooklyn the rest of his contract. Like he wanted to be there right now and and be out of Houston, but it's not necessarily his long-term home. And look at, look what happened. He was gone. Uh, I'm not taking for granted. He wants to stay with the 76ers for the rest of his career. No, I'm with you. I think James Harden is uh, one of the smarter guys around as far as understanding uh, what the landscape looks like. And I, do wonder is one of the things he's looking at here is all right it's like it, the next few years i can feel pretty good that joel Embiid will be there be effective be dominant joel Embiid in years four and five of his uh contract is he gonna be the you know same guy he was and i think harden may be looking at saying yeah, if i can get an out on that and i can move on when i'm you know 
turning into my late thirties and, you know, catch on somewhere else. And in a way they, they might be part of that factoring in as well. And I, and I think that's a smart, smart move on his, his end, because if he stays, you know, even relatively productive, you're still talking a guy who's going to be just the way the salaries are starting to line up. He's still going to be a $40 million player, even if he stays relatively productive. And I, and I think that flexibility is worth that in the end. Here's the catch on that thinking. When he got traded to the 76ers, he he said as overtly as I've heard anybody say, yeah, stars in this league can basically get wherever they want to go. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and so his, his MO, his whole career has been, let me take the largest amount of money I can and then I will get where I want to go. And for a long time, that was staying in Houston and we wanted to leave. He, he left and we wanted to leave Brooklyn. He got out of there. Um, part of me just thinks that, you know, he had a rough playoffs and I think incorrectly feels I can't get the max. Like the, the 76ers are still going to pay me a lot of money. And I, you know, this, so we're talking about this all about internal leverage, right? That's the whole idea of the bird rights trap. It's all internal leverage. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure James Harden has that external leverage and not everybody wants to, you know, fight hard on internal leverage. Like is James Harden not going to sign a, a contract? He also has the timing of this, this player option. Um, that's that's his route to maximizing his salary. So, like, it's hard to play it out. Um, but I do think he is letting the 76ers off the hook if, if he signs for even if it's the max salary, if he signs for for just, let's say, adding two years after the the player option. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there is it would be a lot more interesting if we were going into uh, Thursday with the idea of, hey, I need the full five year max and 60 million plus in uh, uh, the fifth year and all those things it would be a lot more interesting. It just seems like for whatever the reasons are, that's that's just not the way this one seems like it's going to go. I, I'm also starting to wonder if he, you know, I think what he's going to do, it's going to be in lockstep with the 76ers where maybe he even does opt out and says, all right, I can take a little less than what I was set to make which will free up some flexibility. We know they're chasing after P.J. Tucker. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can get to the full non-taxpayer MLE, go get Tucker. Now we've got Melton, Tucker. We've built this roster that we feel pretty good about. Maybe that's where he's going to go. Maybe that he he, he does that, but with a uh, a, um, a, uh, fourth year attached, maybe that's how he gets to an extra year. I'm really not sure, but I I think there's a lot of things we don't fully know yet uh, with, with the Sixers. Yeah, the, the opt out and take a discount is interesting because that would make sense. Um, sometimes I wonder, like I think of Kevin Durant with the Warriors and he took a discount. Now I got to I got to refresh my memory on it so they could keep Iguodala. And I think there was somebody else. Right. Um, but he took a larger discount than he had to um, for, for the team to be able to do that salary cap. It basically was just a transfer of money from Durant to Warriors ownership. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he wanted to sometimes i think you know you mentioned harden is savvy but sometimes i think players aren't always the most sophisticated in understanding uh the salary camp nuances nor should they no, have absolutely. to be right their expertise is something completely yeah. different and completely more valuable um but if the 76ers said yeah help us out you know opt in and you know we're, we're trying to to build the team why don't you take three years instead of five that might sound fine to him on like yeah sure i'm willing to help out the team when in reality that's not helping out the team. The only way to, to help out the team in the short term in a way that benefits Harden's chances of winning is to opt out and to to take that discount that you talked about. So maybe that's on the table or maybe there's a little bit of duping him. I don't know. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. I and, and I think it's weird, too, because he has an odd situation where he 
kind of doesn't really have an agent, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And now that can always be a little hard to, yeah, I think, I think anytime, you know, and if you're a uh, surefire max player, it's very easy. I could do that deal, you know, today without an agent because it's give me the most money I can get and off we go. And then I don't need to give 3% of it to somebody else. When you get into complicated situations like this, I think you need somebody who's at least there, if nothing else, advising you on the way forward. And, and I, I don't know that he necessarily has that. Now that does, uh, you know, add another layer of complication onto his situation. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bradley Beal is eligible for a approximately $248 million over five-year contract if he opts out. Reporting as he will opt out. This summer, if you are the Wizards, are you giving him that fully guaranteed max deal? And we're going to throw a player option on that fifth year just for fun. Uh, or are you letting him walk? So this one, I am going to give it to him because yeah, I I don't see any other path here. And I would do this with the idea of Bradley Beal is both uh, still young enough also good enough with enough name recognition that if I feel like as the Wizards, things are going south in a couple years, I can still trade him pretty yep. easily without that. So, yeah, I, I have to give him that money just because we just invested in going and getting Chris Apps Porzingis. We're not really in too awful a shape with our long-term books. I think, you know, maybe the Daniel Gafford contract, they might regret a little bit um, now, but I think, you know, the rest of it, we can work around that. So I would, I think you have to pay Beal. So do you think that a five-year contract maximizes his trade value? If you're just thinking of this as uh, we're just trying to secure the asset and we're going to trade, I don't think that's how they're thinking, but for that element of it, do you think he's most valuable on a five-year max, four-year max, three-year max? What, what do you say? Um, I do. I think you're right. I do the four plus one because I, I think that's where, where it's going to go. I obviously think at this point I'd rather have him on the full five. Um, he is, what, he's 29 or t- tomorrow. Happy birthday, Bradley Beal. <laughs> uh, he'll turn 29. So, yeah, I'd give him I, – I would want to give him the full five years with full team control, but it would probably ultimately be the four plus one. Yeah, I, I, whatever the longest I can sign him to, I yeah. think, is going to maximize his trade value. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't think it's – I think there are some Wizards fans who are impatient with with this. Or not even impatient because they, they've seen it play out for a long time. It's not impatience. It's, it's fatigue. It's we've seen what we can do with Bradley Beal, 
and it's not that great, uh, especially the way this team operates. And, you know, maybe we can make a second round here or there. And we'll also have plenty of losing seasons. Like, the ceiling isn't that high. The floor is pretty low. Uh, but I also think there's something nice to a guy who wants to be there, who wants to spend his career there, uh, being your franchise player, and doing his best to win as much as he can. Is this, you know, is that going to result in championships? Probably not. But if it ever does somehow, it'd be so satisfying. Look at Dirk mm-hmm. Nowitzki and, to a certain degree, Giannis. Although, I mean, those are players in a completely different stratosphere from Bradley Beal. And you can always trade him, right? It's the trade value piece that, to me, gets it. And in the meantime, you're going to be more competitive than you'd be without him. There are a lot of casual fans uh, who just want to see a more competitive team. The diehards are willing to take the lumps of some down years without Beal. But there's a lot of casual fans, too. Um, if I can, one other thing on yeah. Beal, too. I think he is also at the point, I tend to think of like him and Damian Lillard in similar paths, where they're both at the point in their careers, too, where if, if you sign them to a long-term deal and then a year or two in, just things have not, things have really gone south. I don't think the fans are going to turn on them in a way of, um, boy, you guys, you signed here and now you want to trade. I think it would be very easy for them to say, you know what, hey, I gave you a decade and we just, I wanted it to work here and it didn't. And I think there's a level that factors into that as well, where it's from the player side. It's not going to be, if I ask for a trade two years into this new deal, I'm not going to get absolutely killed in the media and by the fan base because of it. Everybody's going to kind of shrug and say, yeah, I get it. You you gave us everything you could. And I do think that factors in on their side as well. Yeah, it, it does. And it should to a degree, but part of me says, if your thing is really loyalty and Lillard and Beal talk about loyalty different than any other star in the NBA, they really like go out of their way Mm -hmm. to insist how loyal they are to me. Part of that is riding it through the thin times and not just saying I gave it a shot. No, it's, if, if this is truly what you're about on, on this level, it's, hey, you know, however it goes, it goes. I, I'm here. Uh, it's not, well, I tried. Um, so I, if I were a fan of these teams, I would feel a little more betrayed about all that talk. I'd understand it, um, but I wouldn't be the one. <laughs> Nobody forced Lillard and Beal to talk about loyalty the way they do. If they feel slightly differently, you don't have to talk about it quite like they, they do. Yeah, I, I just think it's. They free in my mind, there's a difference between five years of loyalty and I tried and in a decade plus of sure. you know, hey, I gave I gave it a real run here and we could make it work. That that that's the only that's the only way. Yeah, if we're talking, you know, like 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 uh and I'm not saying he's in this level, but when you hear things like Zion Williamson say, you know, hey, I really want to be here in New Orleans and I want to get this done, okay, I'm gonna hold you to that because you haven't done anything yet. Uh, the, the these two guys, Beal and Lillard, like all right, they've given me more than ten years now of you know trying to make it work here. But I, I get it. You're going to have some people, no matter what, are going to be angry because it's like you said you wanted to be here, you signed, and you know it's always funny that dichotomy of you know players should honor their contract, but yeah, I'm willing to trade them two seconds <laughs> into you know their contract going another way. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. So that that part always just makes me chuckle a little bit. Well, in fairness, part of what teams are paying for with this contract is the right to trade you. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And they're, set, and they're yeah. paying for the right for you not to be a free agent. So yep. I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, I don't have that, Yeah, That's how it works. I, I you know, I'm Draymond Green made some noise about this, and I you know, was talking to him slightly after. I was like, well, what do you think about just a completely different system where maybe players don't get paid quite as much but have more say in where they go? And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but just conceptually. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I like players yep. around other kind of – 
players like to complain about this. Oh, you can you can trade me, but I can't just leave. Well, first of all, you can you can force your way out. We've seen that over and over. But there is a difference. There is a difference. The team is paying for the right to be able to trade you. You are earning money on that. Um, If you want if you don't want to be in that position, take those one plus one contracts that LeBron took, that Kevin Durant took. Uh, and take that risk. That that's how the system is set up. As far as Zach, or as far as Zion Williamson, um, he has not. Yes, he has said the boilerplate. I want to be here. I love New York. Sure. That guy say about like they're practically forced to say that about the yeah. place they are. <laughs> Lillard and Beal have talked about. I'm different than other stars. Sure. I'm not yeah. just saying that. Like they've really like singled themselves out as different, and so yeah. that's why I hold them to a little bit of a different standard because they're I asking think for it. There's fairness there. All right, Zach Levine. Eligible for a $212 million contract over five years. Some health concerns. So this is going to be the, the offer you got to decide on. $212 million over five years, fully guaranteed. No options. Yeah, I, I give it to him without a, without even a second thought. Wow, this is the one you've been most confident on. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I, I think he is the, if I'm correct, I believe he's the youngest player we've talked about uh, so far. So I, I feel really good about that part of it. He's got some health concerns, but it was it was a long time now since the torn ACL. And yeah, I, I'll, I would, you know, obviously if if I'm the team and his medicals look like as and he's only in the last two more years, well, then I don't do this. And they would obviously know that better than anybody else. But assuming, you know, what we can assume of of his health, that it'll be pretty good. I, yeah, I, I give this to him because I don't again, I think this is another situation where everything kind of clears up in a year or two. So even if, if you got to work around some stuff, Zach Levine's, you know, having him is a more of a plus than anything else. Yeah. He had knee surgery last month. So a little bit of a concern there, but super talented player. I love uh, his work ethic, uh, how he's grown as a player, how he's improved as a shooter. Uh, Part of me thinks the way the bulls are set up, and this is going to also depend on Lonzo ball's health, but DeMar DeRozan way exceeded my expectations, much older player. (laughs) But I'm not, you know, if the Bulls just lost Zach Levine, they would take a step back this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it'd be such a step back. And so the, you're really paying for, I think, what he's going to provide in those future years. To have to have that star as your centerpiece and where you're not going to have somebody like DeRozan to pick up the slack, at least on the same level. Um, I think I, I would do it, too. I would pay him. Uh, but I, I'm a little more nervous about it than you are. But I think it'd be okay. Look, I've, I've underestimated Zach Levina pretty much every turn. I did not think he was uh, enough return in the Jimmy Butler trade going to Chicago. I didn't think the Bulls should have matched that offer sheet from the Kings a few years ago, uh, although I thought that was a very close and tough call. Uh, at this point, I'm in on Zach Levine and willing to pay him. Yeah, and I think to, to my kind of last thought was this is a guy who had he stayed healthy, he would have probably been pushing for an all-NBA spot. I don't know they would have made it, but he definitely would have been in the mix. And that that factors in for me too, you know, because this is he's 27. I, I think you're gonna get more more than enough value. Obviously, like I said, you gotta look at the medicals. And if the medicals are you know messy, then you know, then that that changes everything. But knowing what we know, I feel pretty good about about giving him that deal. And then same question with Beal. Is the maximum number of years you think the way to maximize his trade value? Or if you had a choice, would you rather give him four years, three years? 
Yeah, I think you go full max uh, with him. I think you know his side probably pushes four plus one, right? Because that's going to be where you want to go. But yeah, exactly. Because you always want that if you're you're the player, you want that option. But then if you're the team, you want the full five. So I would push and probably again settle four plus one. But yeah, I think think you know max out years and that and that that gives you the value. Because if if in a year or two you want to trade them, part of what you're selling to another team is hey, you still have three years of control, you still have four years of control whatever it may be at that point right it, it increases your risk too if it, it goes south uh, yep. so, so Levine is 27 i might lean toward four years the tricky thing is i think i guess if i had to project right now and it's you know not certain he'd probably be overpaid on that fifth year you'd probably mm-hmm. have a better value contract on that fourth year however if that's right at the moment he's going to start to decline and show it after that fourth year you might have to give him a big contract because he hasn't shown the decline yet and so you could be stuck on a, a worse deal than if you had just added that fifth year and paid him. Uh, so it can be tricky where where you might know the decline is coming. You might know it wouldn't be worth it. You might be able to project that, although, you know, who can project it to the exact year exactly four or five years out? But let's just say you could. You, a lot of times the guys have to show it before before their salaries drop. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I, I just – I I gotta believe that at you know age thirty one thirty two he's still holding enough value that that doesn't turn into a you know Westbrook situation where it's like hey, get me off this no matter what. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right, DeAndre Ayton oh. could sign a $131 million over four-year offer sheet. That's $33 million per year. If you are the Suns and he does that, are you matching? I am. Um, I am of the belief that DeAndre Ayton's really good. <laughs> I think it's gone a little sideways, in my opinion, on people kind of, you know, people are lump- lumping him in as a complete replacement level center sometimes. And I'm like, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I think also if you're Phoenix, you are a title contender right now. Um, you're, you may only be a title contender for, you may be a title contender for multiple years down the line with Booker and Bridges locked up. Um, 
but you're certainly only or you're certainly going to be one as long as you have Chris Paul, too. And I think for me, I'm all about let's maximize this window right now. We're the Phoenix Suns. It's where we, we haven't won anything. You know, I want to win one of these things. And also the idea of just letting DeAndre Aiden walk, that is ludicrous to me because then all right, so maybe we, we re-signed JaVale McGee. We would probably then turn into being able to use the non-taxpayer and go sign somebody else. And all right, that's what we did. Here we go. That that just doesn't that 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 doesn't pass for me. It's it's either keep Aiton or you have to get something in return for him via trade. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, they clearly don't value him as much as you do. I don't think I do. When you say he, you know, how good he is, I think he has a lot of untapped potential still. He's, he's still young. He's still raw. He's good. Uh, it doesn't sound like I think he's quite as good as you. You get deep in the playoffs. Uh, sometimes I forget how rough his defense was to start his career because he's made such quick progress, mm-hmm. but he's still not the most reliable defender you want. Um, and center is easily replaceable. No, he's, he's well above replacement level for sure. But if you could use that money elsewhere, and this is kind of the point of the bird rights game, you can't simply use that money elsewhere. But I, I'd be in line for looking for a, a sign and trade. But if it comes to it, I'm keeping him. I'm doing what it takes to keep him. Now, you are very high end. Let's go one step uh, further. Would you give him a five-year max? If he says, look, I'm going to go sign a four-year max offer sheet or I'm going to sign a five-year max, uh, would you rather pay him? to have that fifth year and have him locked up longer. And it's going to cost you more, right? Cause it's going to be the 8% raises now instead of the 5% on an offer sheet. Would you do that? I'd let him play the, the offer sheet game and match it okay. um, versus giving him the five year. I'm not as worried about the whole, you know, because presumably uh, knowing how those offer sheets go, it's probably really going to be a three plus one um, with the player option on the fourth year. I'm not as worried about if I match that him opting out, obviously our relationship already is not great. Um, so if, if, if it goes really south, all right, fine. We can all go our separate ways. If there's no trade between now and then in three seasons, um, we, we can, can move along from that. So I would, um, I would, I would rather go that way than give him the five year. Um, just knowing, where the relationship is now that that going the full five years that that would get a little to to me i feel like now we're kind of stuck together and we may not really want to be another restricted free agent for you miles bridges eligible for that same 131 million dollars over four-year offer sheet if you're the hornets and he signs that offer sheet with another team are you matching i am because because I'm the Hornets. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know where else I'm getting a Miles Bridges type, type of guy. It's it, it's funny. I think we tend to get to a point where we start picking players apart and not always recognizing what they can do. And I think it's important with a guy like Miles Bridges to recognize like, hey, actually, this guy's pr- pretty good. He, he was very improved this year. Um it's the Hornets, so I'm not saying much when I say he's one of their better defenders, um, but, but he is. Um, and, and I think the hiring of Steve Clifford signals to me we want to win um, sooner rather than later. This is not a full rebuild situation here. Um, and I think Steve Clifford probably came there with the idea of, all right, we're going to do what we can to keep this core um, at least somewhat together. And I think Miles Bridges, that yeah, it's a lot of money uh, for him for sure. But I think that becomes a situation where that probably delivers value. Much like Aiton, I might rather 
play the match and offer sheet game um, just to have a little bit of that protection on on the back end and a little bit of that savings um, off the raises. But in the end, uh, I'm I'm probably even going to offer him a four year uh, max extension if I'm the Hornets if I have to anyway. So I'm not going to get too caught up in that. Yeah, I think I would do it too. I'm starting to get a little leery now. Uh, I do think he would have positive trade value on that contract, but not necessarily, but also there's a chance he's just worth it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying, oh, he's the Hornets, and maybe you got overpay to keep him, and that's, I think, where I fall. But he has a nice track record of improvement. He really expanded his skill set this year. Uh, I think it was a little overstated how much he improved because people looked at when he was sinking a lot of three-pointers early in the year. That mm-hmm. tailed off. But to me, that's just another area for growth. Uh, he We've seen in the past he can be a better three-point shooter than he was this year. And so he, I just think he could put a lot of things together. You mentioned defense. He can get a lot better defensively. He has the tools. Not only is one of the Hornets uh, better defenders, which is – like you said, not the best compliment. <laughs> yeah. The real compliment is he's one of the few Hornets uh, who could actually be a really good defender. Um, yeah. And I think Steve Clifford would be good for him there. So I, I guess I, I am doing it. Uh, what would your bar be? Because um, I don't think either one of us are like super enthused about having uh, him on a max contract. What you know, Because you have these matching rights, you could maybe get a, a fairly intriguing uh, sign and trade offer. Like, would you, would you do that for say what projects to be a low lottery pick would you do it for a couple of those like where's your line on that yeah i think i'd need a couple picks i i think i'd pass on just one because then i feel like i'm you know low level lottery pick like something in the 10 to 14 range then i'm kind of just hoping to get another miles bridges and if i already well, you have get a one, cheaper one for you're, sure you're getting cheaper yeah absolutely but but i'm also getting one a little bit probably further down the line and then mm-hmm. what message am i sending a lamello ball um as he's you know gonna gonna be you know is he gonna want to hear hey we could draft the next miles bridges when i'm in contract extension negotiations with him or is he gonna be happier to know we have Miles Bridges, if you know if that's the case. I do think what well, that that's where I would put that too. One thing too that I think's being overlooked a little bit uh, with, with him, I think some of the offensive scoring jump is clearly he took almost six more shots per game, maintained some of his efficiency. His three point shooting dropped off, uh, you know, quite quite a bit from the year before, but um, but also almost four assists per game. And that starts to say, all right, there's a more well-rounded player in here than maybe what it looked like before. Um, and he's, you know, he's kind of one of those guys who's a, you know, uh, become an inside-outside threat. Uh, can do some stuff off the dribble. Plus, he's pretty durable. He's almost always in the lineup. So, yeah, I, I would, I, I would be if I was going to make a trade, it would be all right. Hey, I need, you know, either two good picks or good pick plus a young player, ideally somebody who could replace him and go forward from that. If, if that was going to be the way it was going to go. Yeah. I guess the question is when do you want to uh, optimize LaMelo balls su- supporting cast? He's a young player. He's still very rough around the edges, but obviously quite talented can do a lot of things uh, probably more toward the, the flash than substance side of the spectrum right now, but it has some, you know, real ways he can help a team. You know, I don't know. The Hornets have this disjointed roster. You have Gordon Hayward, and you know he's older. And then you have the young guys like Miles Bridges, like PJ Washington. Just you know, Lamelo Ball is the youngest, I, I believe, of of anybody you can look at a, as a core building block. And so you're trying to get even younger. You know, what message are you selling to Lamelo Ball? It doesn't really matter right now. Uh, he's going to be up for a contract 
later and you want to send the send the right message later rather than right now if you had to choose i think so i I would be open to moving him for a real nice sign and trade but it i'd say it's unlikely the hornets get that but i'd listen yeah i would listen too i mean it's it's and I'm not saying much there because I'm going to listen on just about anybody. <laughs> I, you know, when, when people start throwing around yeah. the untouchable names, yeah. like I'm, oh, it's crazy. Like, I'm like, come on, guys. There's not 50 untouchable players in the league. There's maybe five, you know, and, and even those five, I would question, are we even there? You know, on that, I, I it's, it, it's, yeah, I know he's not everybody's you know, favorite cup of tea, but I always liked the idea of Bill Simmons trade. Oh, thing I love where that. It was, you know, yeah. Like everybody below this player, they would, you know, they they would there'd at least be a conversation um with it. But once you get to these ones, it's only you know, I'm only listening if it's the guys ahead of me. But yeah, I think yeah, I would certainly you know listen on it and see and and if it could come so much the better with hey, we're gonna sign a trade and we're also gonna throw you uh Mason Plumley's deal or maybe um you know nobody's really got the ability, but Gordon Hayward, uh then you know, yeah, let's let then then that opens up a whole different conversation that I'm open to having. Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing to trade Gordon Hayward at, at with his value at rock bottom. Yeah, uh, it's he, yeah, it's never going to get lower than it is right now. Right, he can play better. He's not a bad player by any nope. means. I, he can be better. Um, Just he needs to stay be, healthy. Right. I mean, you're probably f- facing long odds. He's going to stay healthy, but I'd rather face those long odds than you know give up a nice asset to dump him or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I'm with you. The the whole stuff that was floating around of the Westbrook stuff and and all that, I that made me a little weird because then it's all right. If I'm getting two picks, then maybe that that's worth it in that because then I'm probably getting off Hayward and Plumley, um, or Hayward and Ubre or something. Maybe maybe that that's workable. But yeah, some of these other things I've seen thrown out there of just where it's a straight salary dump and the Hornets are paying to get off him. I wouldn't do that. That's that's not you're not there in development terms where it is a team where you need to be doing that either all right last one i've got for you jalen brunson is an unrestricted free agent because he was a second round pick and signed a a straight four-year contract unlike first round picks uh if you were signed as a free agent or a second round pick and you've played that long you're going to be an unrestricted free agent we know the knicks are interested so another team could sign him to that same four-year 131 million dollar contract we talked about but I'm going to make this one a little bit easier for you as the Mavericks. It's going to be $131 million over five years. He's going to want the same amount of money another team could max him out at, but he's going to allow you to spread over five years. You're the only team that can give him five years. It's $131 million over five years, about $26 million per year. Are you re-signing him for that amount, or are you letting him walk? Hmm. <laughs> I think this is the hardest one. Yeah, this one's it's 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 almost harder because of that caveat um, that you threw in of spreading it over the five years. Because if it was that much over four, I would say no. Right. I'd say see, see you later. Um, over five years, I I'm just looking at their overall salary sheet. I I think I probably am matching that. Um, oddly enough. A salary in the range of twenty five to twenty six million only places Brunson as about the fifteenth highest paid point guard uh, in the <laughs> league, which seems crazy, but but it is yeah. true. Um, yeah, we you can go sort by position by salary on Spot Track and see. Um, so that is uh, you know certainly something I think I, I would do because. I start to equate that. It's we we all know that's not really how it works, but I would equate it to: Am I paying him like a top fifteen point guard? 
all right, that's fine. Is he going to deliver that value? Yeah, probably. So I, I think I would do that over the five years. I, I think I would 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 do that number. Um, in, in the whole time, I would be very angry that the Knicks exist and ran that number <laughs> up as high as they did. <laughs> the the Mavericks, you know, do have some potential long term flexibility. You lose him, you're not really gonna be able to replace him in mm-hmm. I think a, a reasonable way this year. Yeah. But over the long term, you know, I mean they're obviously tied to Luca. But beyond that, if you wanted to tear down this roster, it's not like there are the these can't move players, even by the people who are like you just called out, overly attached to some guys. Sure. Um I think playing with Luca would excite a lot of players. Um, mm-hmm. You make that a lot harder if you're re-signing Brunson for that number. And I'm not sure he's worth losing those possibilities, even if you're going to take a step back next year. I mean, there there are replacements on the roster. I, you know, Luca is obviously in a lot of ways a point guard, but can play next to Brunson. But you can have Luca as more of you know the the small guard, the one, however you want to define that. You're going to have Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back from injury and so he can fill some of those minutes uh you know you got spencer dinwiddie uh who came in that trade from from christoph's porzingis can play Mm -hmm. more over the full season this one is tough i think i'm gonna let him go at that number i think this is the one where i'm gonna let him go but it is a very tough call and you know part of what the reason that that factors in is all the connections he has to the knicks Mm -hmm. all the connections do they really want him at this number or do they just want to m- drive up the Mavericks price? Because one of the indicators you can usually look at is, well, another team wanted to pay him basically this and he's giving me a little bit of a hometown discount by letting me spread over five years. Maybe the Knicks don't go full max and this is the compromise, whatever. Another team is interested in this ballpark. That suggests to me that he'd have positive trade value unless that team is bluffing to drive up his price because they like him personally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's the the thing that gives me a lot of pause too. I'm glad you mentioned him. It's it is kind of the presence of Dinwiddie because I have somebody who can kind of slide in and do a lot of things Brunson does. Um, you know, we did Dinwiddie. Now he's proven I think he's he's, he's healthy. I made it through the whole year and, and I think I would feel, you know, a little bit better. It's not like I'm all right, I got to start completely over, and I don't have that other guard uh, to pair with Luca. One, the the other on the flip side of that, I think sometimes when you have a singular talent like Luka Doncic, we we overlook the guys who have already proven that they fit in with that player, trying to find guys who could fit in with that player. And sometimes I think if we could rewind some of those decisions in history, we would say we already had the guy who fit with him. Why didn't we just keep that guy? Um, but there's also a, a limit to that too, because I don't, I don't want that. And the last thing I'll say on Brunson, and this is just kind of an overall comment on free agency. I think this is one of the situations where it's, even though everything I said about that's the 15th ranked point guard and all those things, I think a guy like Tyus Jones is going to get half as much as Jalen Brunson does <laughs> in free agency. And I like Tyus Jones almost nearly as much as I like Jalen Brunson. Different players, different style of players. But as far as if I'm looking to fill a point guard spot, I'm pretty good if I have scoring. I would would not mind having Tyus Jones at all. But I think it's just we're going to see him get half as much because of just you know kind of the way these things are working and the, the name recognition and all those things. And I wonder if the Mavs, too, are going to look at it all of, 
hey, we made the West Finals. Like, how much do we want to mess around with what we've kind of built here? Do we want to? Do we really feel like we need to make changes in the next couple of years, or can we build around this anyway? Yeah, I wouldn't get. I mean, making the West Finals was a tremendous accomplishment. I wouldn't yeah. get too caught up <laughs> in the sustainability yeah. of that of how the things broke for them to have it happen. You mentioned Tyus. I like Tyus Jones. You know, or Amante Morris could be available in a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, another player more similar to Tyus Jones, who I also really like. Scoring is the premium skill. Individual pre- scoring is the premium skill in yep. the NBA. Like, look how Brogdon, or excuse me, not Brogdon, uh, Brunson kept that team afloat when Luka was yep. hurt. Uh, those other guys are fine, complementary players, and might provide more value, not necessarily better play, but more value on a contract half as much as Brunson's when playing with Doncic. But they don't have the ability at all to scale up when Doncic is out or Doncic is hurt. Um, you, you know, and I guess it's more when Doncic is out that I'm concerned with, right? If Doncic is yeah. hurt, you're not going anywhere anyway. Your goals aren't going to be met. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, so both of us had six out of seven players in this game, where as the team were keeping them, you're not keeping Kyrie Irving at his five-year max. I'm not uh, keeping Jalen Brunson at his four-year max price over five years as the Mavericks. Does this say something about free agency? Is this is this a lesson to be learned that we shouldn't expect a lot of fireworks, that, that these teams really are in a position? I think we just named the top seven free agents, potential free agents in the league, where there's such strong incentives for their teams to keep them uh, that we're not going to see crazy fireworks. I, I definitely think it's we're not going to see crazy fireworks via signings of free mm-hmm. agents. I think where things might get a little crazy is trade-wise. Yep. I, I think that's what we're headed for. We on uh on my show, front office show, we've been calling it the summer of the trade because we just think that's the way teams are gonna. It's just there's so few teams with cap space. So many teams are hovering right around the tax and tax apron that sign in trades are even difficult. So I just think straight trades might be the you know the big jump. And I also look at it as I think teams are have to be looking at Celtics and Warriors. Okay, they're good, but they're not inevitable dominant teams we're not gonna say almost like it was warriors and Cavs for years where it's like uh we could push all in to get to the conference finals but we're not getting past those teams unless something happens i don't feel like anybody has it. i think there's probably 10 12 teams that are like why not us we can be there next year and i think that always leads to um a very busy trade market so i'm excited for that part of it but straight signings especially for the top guys I don't know that we get a lot of movement. I do think this free agent class has some good values a little deeper. Um, I think the the, uh, the exceptions, the taxpayer and non-taxpayer uh, MLEs, both have a little more spending power uh, than they maybe usually do. Um, so I think that's also helpful um, just in the environment this year. But yeah, I think... Um, I think it's going to be a lot of these free agents, you know, a week from now, we're going to be saying, all right, well, they just stuck where they were. I get, or not even a week, but like three days from now when we're recording this. It's going to be a lot of them are there, which is why I'm kind of hoping, you know, Kyrie does something bananas and at least, you know, lend some craziness uh, to the free agent side of all of it. That's the one. And, th- and it's important that it really, really, really sounds like the Nets agree with you that, you know, we're not playing this bird rights trap game where we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. And then the domino effect of Kevin Durant. So I do expect some more fireworks than this exercise indicates, but this just shows, I think where a lot of teams are. This is a, a year where a lot of teams are over the cap. Uh, it's not the best, deepest free agent class. And basically all the top free agents, their teams have strong incentives to keep them. And if they don't, 
uh, the trickle-down effects, I think, where you can get it, especially with Kevin Durant. Keith, thanks for a ton for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.